This morning, we're going to look at the story of the resurrection, specifically a phrase that, uh, uh, that is said two times that I want us to consider. Um, last several weeks, if you haven't been tracking with us, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, the latter few uh, chapters, and we've been looking at the, what's been led up to uh, the crucifixion of Jesus and the implications that have happened there. And so before we get into the resurrection, I want to get a little bit of context for us to make sure we're on the same page of where, where the Sunday morning has come from. And so let's look at Matthew 27, just a few verses before what we're going to get into in Matthew uh, 28. And so Matthew 27, um, we read this. Uh, the next day, that is, after the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter, referring to Jesus, said he, will, uh, he was still alive. After three days, I, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, He is risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Again, a few things that are taking place here. Jesus is now dead. He has now, we've talked about this last several weeks. He's been arrested. He's been beaten. He's been unjustly tried, sentenced to death. He's been uh, flogged, and he's now been crucified. You don't come out of getting whipped to shreds and then dealing with the most uh, intense form of execution in human history and come out of that alive. Jesus is dead. That's what the text makes clear to us. Um, And then from there, religious leaders and the Roman leaders conspire to make sure that no story can happen where uh, there's some kind of witness of Jesus rising again. So they put these soldiers with swords at the um, front of the tomb. And then time transpires. God is dead. Rome has won. that's That's what the end of Matthew 27 says. God is dead. Rome has won. But then Sunday morning happens, and I'll read it. Verse 28, uh, chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and uh, the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men, the same guards that were put there. That's what who they're t- Matthew's talking about. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. Behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. This text is is wonderful. Jesus has, again, just died, and so he shows up to Mary and Mary Magdalene. These ones had come to, uh, to see the tomb. Again, we know that there are these Roman soldiers that have been put in front of this 
tomb. And so Sunday morning comes where hope is now diminished. They're now beginning to question everything Jesus has said. And they've come to bring spices to his now uh, body that's rotting. And so they're going to put spices on his body. And they show up and they encounter this angel. And the, the earth, it quakes. And he says, I know that you seek Jesus. And he's not here. He has risen and he invites the women to go inside. And you can imagine, again, like we don't want to distance ourselves from this reality going in and kind of putting our minds, our imagination around this, walking into this tomb and seeing these, I would imagine these garments neatly folded on where Jesus' body was laid. You can smell the stench of his body, but his body isn't actually there. Like that's how recent his body has departed from this tomb. He is risen. And two things I want to point out in Jesus' encounter with these women. The first is this, that he shows up to these two women, which validates the story of the resurrection. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but if you're Jesus, who are you showing up to first? Like, all this goes down. You go into Pilate, the governor. You go into uh, Caiaphas, the high priest. You go into one of those dudes that hits you that extra hard and you're going to him maybe first, maybe all of the above you're going to first. If I'm Jesus, I'm likely going to the guy who hit me extra hard that really frustrated me and then I'm probably going to Pilate and I'm terrorizing them. I want them to, I want them to wish they never knew me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I want to do the things to them that are going to keep them up at night for a really, really, really long time. But Jesus, he doesn't do that. He's gentle. And the first people that he shows up to are these two women, Mary and Mary Magdalene. All the gospels stress the significance of these women. Jesus brought value to women where in this culture and in this time there was little value given to women. You know, women were not generally in the first century especially regarded as credible witnesses. But every gospel Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all testify to the first people that Jesus encountered, which were women. They became the first heralders of this message. There was a guy named Calchas, uh, uh, and he was a second century Greek philosopher, and he detested Christianity. But he said this about the witness of the women in the story of the resurrection. He said this, and I don't support this statement, but he said it. Uh, How can anyone expect rational men to listen to the testimony of a hysterical female? I don't disagree. I mean, I disagree entirely with this, but but in this, hello. (laughs) My wife's not here. Thank God my wife's not here. Thank God this isn't being recorded. Oh, my gosh. Um, It was sadly a, a misogynistic time. This day was, a low status uh, toward women. Uh, And the reality uh, that Jesus came to women first spoke volumes to his uh, value that he saw in women and the credibility of this story. Like you don't make up stories that that aren't going to allow credibility to, uh, you're not, where the listener isn't going to see the story as credible. Like Jesus, uh, the, the story wasn't made up. If, 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 if it's true in this first century scenario that, that women were not uh, a uh, credible source, then they would have made up another story to uh, bring credibility to their story. But this was a true story, and it provides evidence of his resurrection. So here's the deal. If you're making up a story about Jesus and his resurrection, what you aren't going to do in the first century is make the first eyewitnesses women. 
But the fact that every account affirms them to be the first witnesses and the first ones Jesus appeared to affirms the story. Jesus chose to show up to these first two women first. And the second thing to consider is that Jesus' first uh, statements to these two women was this, this phrase, do not be afraid. The statement came from an angel and then it came shortly thereafter from Jesus. Do not be afraid. When's the last time that you found yourself afraid? Fearful. Maybe another word, uh, anxious. When I say anxious, I'm not talking about the type where medication is helpful, but an anxiety that comes from a place of worry. When was the last time you found yourself there? Jesus says, do not be afraid. See, fear is something that can cripple us. You don't have to teach a child about fear. Like, hey, buddy, there's going to come a day when you're going to get scared. Like, it just happens. It just naturally happens. You know, our children tell us something about fear. Think about it. Children are are scared long before they watch Chucky, right? Like, they're, they're aware of fear. It's just a natural part of who they are. They learn fear naturally. Fear is something that's natural to us. We experience fear and anxiety for for no logical reason. And as you grow older and you possess more and you care about more things and more people and you hear about terrible stories, we absorb fear. We find that we live in a world that isn't safe sometimes. We find that we can't control our world and it produces fear. But the story of the resurrection is a message that says, do not be afraid. See, this event gives Jesus the credibility to make this statement. Like we gotta, you know, I don't know if you come in skeptical when it comes to the things related to the gospel, but, but for a second, imagine if what actually happened is really true. Like imagine if this is not just some story, some fable. Imagine if this is actually true historical realities before us, that that Jesus was killed for your sin and shame, that he was buried and he was lifeless and he was hopeless. Imagine that he took on the great enemy, which is death. You know, we we don't know what happened early that dawn morning. We don't know exactly what took place before how he kind of uh, came out of the grave. But we we know that that dead body was down and all of a sudden, in a moment, he sat up. We know that it'd be case through this, this story. And in that moment, he put death to death forever. That's what the story tells us this Easter morning. We know that uh, these, these two verses in Revelation 1, I love this text here. It's a story about Jesus' best friend encountering um, him years after the resurrection. And these two uh, verses speak volumes to what we hear about in this resurrection story. In verse 17 of Revelation 1, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. Again, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. So you imagine if it's true that Jesus actually holds the keys of death and Hades. Imagine, you know, if he has the keys of death, and that means that he holds the keys of your greatest fears. 
Which is why you can say over and over and over again in light of the credibility of the fact that he rose from the dead, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Friends, this morning I can say without question that Jesus' body is nowhere to be found. He swallowed death and now has the credibility to say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of death, that great foe, that great equalizer, because he has the keys. Do not be afraid of cancer and what they may do to you and your body and your loved ones, because he has the keys. He's conquered death. Do not be afraid of anxiety of the unknown. Will we be okay? Will he really provide for us? What does the future look like? He holds the keys. He's alive. Don't be afraid. You know, we have a king who has risen. We learned in 2020 that we have an illusion of control. It's not real. We believe that we're much more in control than we actually are. And in this moment, on this Easter Sunday morning, we're reminded that he has the keys and he can be trusted. Life can be fearful. You know, we watch the news and we can become fearful. We see in our own backyard the the killing of eight people in that spa shooting. And not only is that the injustice of murder, but the targeting of, of an Asian community. It reminds us that life is scary, that it can be painful. But with those keys, the king says with gentle assurance, do not be afraid. Fear not. Easter is a declaration from God to us to not be afraid. You know, we got to think about the implications of the resurrection, and they are profound for us. There is a God who exists, who holds all things together, who created the world, and he so loved you that he wrote himself into our story to take on our death, and he swallowed death, and he rose again, and we can trust him with our lives. He's rescued us. You can trust him even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, our winters shall not frown forever. Summer shall uh, soon smile. The tide will not eternally ebb out. The floods retrace their march. The night shall not hang its darkness forever over our souls. The sun shall yet arise with healing beneath its wings. The Lord turned again to the captivity of Job. Our sorrows shall have an end when God has gotten his end in them. You know, in this resurrection story, we are reminded, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so the question I have for you is, what is your greatest fear? Over this last year, what has become your greatest fear? What keeps you up at night? This message, if it's true, and I believe it is with all of my heart, I believe that it's clear that there's evidence behind it. And if it is true, then we, I invite us to sink our teeth into this statement. Do not be afraid. You can trust one who holds all things together with your life. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your future. You can trust him with the unknowns. You can trust him with everything because he's conquered everything. Christ is risen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that this message is, doesn't keep us at a distance, but it invites us in 
you invite us in to those places of fear and worry. And you remind us to not be afraid. We thank you that you hold the keys. That you swallow death forever. And that you will come again and you will make everything sad come untrue. We thank you for the hope, truly the hope of this message. I pray you'd warm our hearts with the truth so we can trust you. Lord, I pray for my friends this morning who feel like they can't. Lord, I pray you'd inspire our hearts to see that you are trustworthy. There is no other thing in this life that we can put our trust in that won't fail us but you. Help us to trust you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.